WGNS, Murfreesboro. Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, folks, we're back. We're looking forward to a very exciting podcast today. Joining me is Mr. J.T. Cooper, who is the host of the On Mission radio program that you can catch here on WGNS Radio at 5 o'clock every Sunday. And uh, JT is a very strong supporter of President Trump, so we thought this would make a very interesting show. JT, welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Hey, thanks for having me. We've, uh, we've promised no punches. We, I'm going to stay on my side. You stay on. That's right. We're going <laughs> to stay on each other's side here and and be respectful and try to demonstrate to the listeners of this podcast that... Even, How you can have a conversation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, JT, first, let's... I, I, so I was listening to your show last week. I listened to it this week. First, I want to I want to say thank you for your service to our country, but more importantly now, for your service to our veterans that come home. Thank you, sir. You do a lot. Uh, talk, talk about some of the things. You, you repair people's homes. You make sure people are fed. You make sure people are entertained. You try to help people with alcohol and drug problems. Talk about all the things that you do, JT, for the veterans of this country. Well, On Mission Radio was set up to inspire people to be on mission. Yeah. When, when we're out in the field and we – you know, we're getting orders from command telling us that we're going to go do this mission. This is, you know, kickoff time and all. We know what to do next. We've right. been trained to do our job. Yeah. But when we come home, there's nobody giving those orders anymore. And so you end up a lot of times watching paint dry, mm. thinking, you know, I don't care. And, and, and I've said this a, a thousand times, but just for your listeners, when you've been out and you've been a part of something that's bigger than yourself, when you come home and you're watching $12 an hour parts roll down the assembly line, that's never going to fill the hole of knowing what it's like to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. That, that's a great explanation. I mean, basically, you what you're talking about are our veterans in a very structured life, a very structured style of living, and then when it's over... Well, th- it's not just that. It's not just that. It's knowing that no, when you're in that home, when you get the call... Yeah. I was in Mogadishu for Black Hawk Down. In 1993, two Black Hawk helicopters got shot down in Mogadishu. Mm -hmm. I was in the QRF. I was in the rescue team that got called to go out there. When you're in that truck and you get the call that says, saddle up, Americans are under fire, it's time to go get them. There's no price tag you can put on what it takes to get in that truck. Yeah. Now, courage isn't the absence of fear right courage is getting in the truck and going anyway yeah that's correct i know firsthand that courage is the isn't the absence of fear it's getting in the truck and knowing there's a guy with an american flag on his shoulder Mm -hmm. i don't know his name but he needs rescue and nobody gets left behind right right that's the and when you feel that feeling right no matter how much money you make when you come home, you'll never feel that feeling of being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Makes a lot of sense. So there's kind of a vacuum there. There's a there, vacuum a void. there. Mm-hmm. And so if you come home and the only job you can get is McDonald's because of the recession, mm-hmm. or the only job you can get is, you know, trash pickup guy, what am I do? Why did I live and my buddy die? Right. How do you how do you how do you, survivor guilt almost killed me in 1996? Mm-hmm. In 1996, I was in a one bedroom apartment in Syracuse, New York. I had an answering machine back before we all had cell phones. Mm-hmm. Back before all that stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Joe had died. He had a wife who was pregnant that had a miscarriage. Cornell Houston had a wife and four kids. Both of those guys were my teammates that died that night. Mm. 
I carry, for those of you watching the video, I wear Jimmy on my arm every day because he was my roommate. Yeah. When I was in that one-bedroom apartment in Syracuse, New York, I had an answering machine, and I went 42 days. And I had a calendar, and I was sitting there. In 42 days, I didn't have one message. Here, Jimmy and Cornell had died. Yeah. And their families missed them. And I've been in this apartment 42 days, and nobody cares if I'm alive or dead. Mm -hmm. That survivor guilt mm. almost drove me to suicide. Mm. And we've all heard the term 22 a day and right. veterans committing suicide. What I know for a fact is if I pulled the trigger in 1996 when I was sitting in that apartment with that gun, was I'd have never known my wife. Mm. I would have never known my four kids that are biological and my four kids that are adopted. If I had done that, I would have never owned a business where I could use the money that I've made to pour it back into Warrior Rounds to help my veteran brothers get over that hump. Yeah. If I can help put it into words. My mama asked me, she said, why aren't you Timmy anymore? What's wrong with you? Mm. It's hard to say mom Timmy died in the desert. If I couldn't explain it to myself... In 1996, I couldn't explain it to my mom. Yeah. 20 years later, I know that I didn't have an answer on, a message on my answer machine because my mom and everybody was afraid of me because they didn't know how to talk to me. They didn't know what to say that wouldn't set me off. Right. But when I was in that apartment for 42 days without a phone call, it angered me more than them being afraid to call me. Hmm. But I didn't know at that time that the reason they hadn't called is because they didn't know what to say. Right. And if I couldn't tell them and they didn't know, it wasn't their fault or it wasn't my fault. It was something I had to get through. Sure. And over the course of time, I've learned by being in Nashville and trying to be a songwriter mm -hmm. and trying to be a productive member of society, I've learned that articulation is a gift. Yes. And one of my gifts is being able to put that experience into words not just for me but for my fellow soldiers when we have these retreats for warrior outreach right and we bring this veteran in and we pair him with a nashville songwriter who's been writing lyrics forever right you know dan demay and mike mann i put dan demay who's had a couple of number ones he's a great songwriter and i put him with this guy named mike mcmahon mike never went to war he never had one of these Aw shucks moments. And they were just sitting there and having a conversation. And Mike will tell you, he said, I didn't realize we, we were. An hour later, Dan starts picking his, he picked his guitar up and started playing. And he had written a song with everything Mike had said in that hour. And Mike's whole thing was, I, I, I may not be a hero, but I'm still proud of me. Mm, right. Sure. And so when Mike heard Dan's song, and he took all those things Mike said. You know, I may not have ever been part of Iwo Jima. I may not have ever been at D-Day. I may not, but I still serve my country, and I'm still proud of me. Right. And Dan put all of that thing, and they just had a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mike didn't realize that everything he was saying was capable of writing that song. Right. Sure. So when I can see that light bulb come on mm -hmm. with these veterans, mm -hmm. and we get past that point of, their frustration and anger of what have you done for me lately? Because mm. this country is a whole lot about what have you done for me lately? Mm. What 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 could what do you have that can benefit me so that I'll help you so you can help me? That's politics one hundred and one. When you get to that point where it's what have you done for me lately, and you're a veteran working at McDonald's and you're a combat-wounded vet that may or may not have a Purple Heart, may or may not have a Bronze Star, may, but the only job you can get in your hometown is coming back home and working. Mm -hmm. You feel left behind. Yeah, sure you do. And and what we're trying to do, <clears throat> I was a product of Alvin C. York Agricultural Institute. Okay. For Alvin, those of you that don't know, Alvin C. York is one of the many storied heroes of the state of Tennessee, captured an entire German battalion. In World, War I. in World War One, with just a couple of folks, uh, Alvin C. York and Cordell Hull are two of my 
top ten, you know, other outside of Davy Crockett, they're at the top for what they've done for this country and this world. What one of the things that saved me, mm-hmm. and this is the last lesson that I learned from Alvin C. York. Yeah, I graduated from Alvin C. York Agriculture Institute. Okay. For those who don't know, in World War One, it was still the good old boy network for real. Oh sure. So when Alvin came home, the state of Tennessee legislature said all those guys, he was the most decorated soldier of World War One. Yes. Medal of Honor on down. Yes. They said, look, Alvin, you can have anything in the world you want. What do you want? Because you're the hero of Tennessee. Right. He said, I want a high I want a school in Jamestown, Tennessee, that is paid for and funded by the state. Mm-hmm. So that the local politicians can't dip their fingers in the education of children. The state of Tennessee today, in our constitution, funds two high schools in the state of Tennessee. The rest of it is left up to local school boards, co- school yeah. boards and mm-hmm. counties. Right. They fund the Tennessee School for the Blind mm-hmm. and Alvin C. York Institute. Yeah. When they started building Alvin C. York Institute in Jamestown, Tennessee, in honor of Alvin C. York, our decorated hero, Right. the local politicians decided since they couldn't get their hands on any of that budget that they weren't going to bus kids to Alvin C. York High School. Uh-huh. Now, as Paul Harvey would say, here's the rest of the story. Okay. What a lot of people don't know is Alvin spent the rest of his life raising money and buying school buses, and he drove a school bus to make sure kids got to go to the high school that was named for him because the local politicians wouldn't Wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that because they couldn't get their hands on state funds to to add to their campaign coffers. So Alvin raised money and actually physically drove Drove the the school bus to help make sure kids got to get an education in Jamestown, Tennessee. And I'm I'm a product of that. Yeah. Wonderful. And when I got to sitting around thinking about all the things and talking to God and being angry and all the things, what have I got? What's my mission? What's my next mission? Right. Alvin C. York drove a school bus. Sure did. Alvin C. York drove a school bus. That's a remarkable story that you just told. I had no idea that he drove a school bus to bus kids to his own school. When I was in ROTC in high school, Mm -hmm. junior ROTC. Right. We did a color guard presentation at Alvin's grave every year. And I got to meet Miss Gracie on several occasions. Mm-hmm. It tickled her to death that we would still show up and present the colors mm-hmm. every year mm-hmm. from our high school at his graveside. Because he was a humble person and a humble family. He drove a right? school bus. He drove a school bus, right. To make sure I got an education. Right. Remarkable. So when I'm sitting there thinking about taking my life, and I'm sitting there talking to God, trying to figure out what have I done for someone lately? What do I do next? What's my mission? Right. My mission became to find a way to tell the story of those who can't tell it for themselves. Because through my writing, the one thing that I had always been good at was poems and writing and journaling and, and, you know, keeping all those notes. Sure. And uh, it just naturally went to music. And there's, I don't have, you know, I'm not part of the Ricky Skaggs family, the the Gaithiers or none. My family wasn't musical. We weren't involved. But what I did realize is that God took me all the way across the sea to Somalia. He took me all the way to Haiti. He took me all the way to Panama. Mm. He took me all around the world to show me that I grew up two hours from Nashville. So if I believe he can protect me over there, why don't I think he's got a plan for me in Nashville? Mm. And as that all started coming together, we have an instinct that when we have a vision for something, we want to run from A to B. Right. Well, most of the time, A to B skips C, D, E, and F, and all the lessons we need to learn to get there. That's correct. And one of the things that I learned is that 
as long as I'm on mission to help people, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about the resources to help those people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. If I'm worried about getting resources, oh God, if you bless me with this, I'll go do this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to go do that before anyway, the blessings. You got to pay it forward, right? And and, mm-hmm. and then once you pick up the mantle mm-hmm. and you go forward, you know, yeah, who knows what's next. That's a, that's a wonderful story you just told, JT, and that's one of the reasons why I respect you and all of our veterans, because that, it, it's for a guy like me. I came up in peacetime. I was in the middle of uh, you know the late 80s, early 90s, before the Gulf War, even though one of my, basically one of my brothers, he's not my brother, but my neighbor that I grew up with served in the first Gulf War. And um, it's hard for folks that haven't lived that experience to understand it. And, uh, and I don't think we ever will. Uh, I think what we can do as civilians is is the best is to support is to support you. And you've mentioned foreign policy missions. Let me ask you. Well, and we'll, let's we'll kind let's of go, gear let's, to let's politics get back to where here. You are. Let's gear to politics here. But but Mogadishu was a humanitarian mission. So was so the so, so the was Haiti. newspaper led you to believe. Well, okay. So we were there to take out some warlords, right? that were running the country that were starving their people to death. And as a result of that starvation, they were migrating to other parts of Africa and starving those people to death. Similar to what happened with the Syrian refugee crisis that's recently happened. Uh, uh, it's going to blow you away, JT. But you know who explained that to me in the best way that I could possibly understand? Who? Albert Gore Jr., the former vice president of the United States. I'd never heard this before. So Syria experienced one of the worst droughts in history. Okay. All of their goats died Okay. because they didn't have any water or food. So all the farmers moved to the city okay. in Damascus to, looking for food. This caused more problems and tensions inside the city because of the cultural differences. Of course, we got other countries involved like the Russians and the Iranians and other folks that are tampering and us that are messing around there in Syria. But essentially, they were starving to death, and that's why they all got on a boat and crossed the Mediterranean looking uh, into Europe. And what year was that? That was in about 2014 when the drought was really bad, 2013, 2014. And then as we know, uh, and, and typically a lot of times natural disasters like that do cause mass migration of people, right? I mean, you can agree to that, right? I mean, people are going to move. People are going to find a place. They're going to, to find to, jobs. They're, well, they're going to look Security. for food, water, yeah. and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But yeah. Al Gore was in Al Gore was in office when we were in Mogadishu in 1993. He sure was. He sure was. He's the vice president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sure was. So did he tell Did he tell you why we were in Somalia? No, we Mogadishu didn't come up. This was when he recently appeared here at MTSU, which mm-hmm. we're the home of the Albert Gore Public Policy Center, the largest university in the state of Tennessee, located here in Rutherford County now. Uh, Al Gore's father was a graduate of MTSU, Al Gore Sr., that brought us the interstate highway system, uh, the reason why we have an interstate highway system in this country. And uh, and so I was just there, and they were talking about Syria in particular and this, why there was such a massive migration, how this has caused so much upheaval in Europe uh, because of these folks that were basically starving to death. But that's the globalist that's the globalist. Okay. That's right, the story behind it. Okay. All right. So before we get to that, let's start. Let's start with this. Okay. Um, Americans are divided. Twenty-five percent are Republican. Twenty-five percent are Democrat, and fifty percent are Independent. Can you agree that more Americans are divided now than we've ever been in the history of this country, ex- with the exception of the Civil War? I think right now we're at a point in time in American history where we we kind of got to go back to the part choose this day, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Sure, okay. And I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of good American Christian folks, yeah, right, believe that there's coming a tipping point where we have to decide whether this is a Christian nation or it's not a Christian nation. Okay, and okay. I think that that side is defined mm-hmm. more by the left than it is by the right. Okay. All right. Interesting you say that. So uh but but you can agree that we're divided. I absolutely and and, and people on both sides mm-hmm. think that the other people are brainwashed. Well in a w in a way, yes. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, JT, you just sit here, and we just had a very reasonable conversation about your life We're and, and what you've done for this conversation. conversation. We can have a conversation. I don't think you're brainwashed. I'm not. Right. I'm not. And and I think because you're a, on the, boots yeah. on the ground. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I'll and I'll show you one thing. Right. 1993 in Mogadishu, Somalia. Right. Everybody believes we're there for a humanitarian mission mm-hmm. to make sure the people don't starve in Somalia. Right. That's 1993. Right. Do your research. I'm not going to float this. Sure. You go back and you look up CNN, uh-huh. 1996, Osama bin Laden. Yeah. For In 1996, which was three years after Somalia. Right. Osama bin Laden gives an interview with CNN that said, three years ago in Somalia, you were fighting al-Qaeda. You were fighting mine. Yes. We we were that. we yeah. we were the the mainstream media mm-hmm. and the president mm-hmm. communicated to the world mm-hmm. that we were there to stop a starvation and a humanitarian mission. Right. But we were there when Russia pulled out of the Horn of Africa, which is Somalia. Right. They abandoned a lot of military bases. Okay. That was refueling stops and military. Uh, ammo dumps and so on and so forth in the Horn of Africa. Uh-huh. That was their stop off before they crossed the Med. Right. When they pulled out of Somalia, they left a vacuum. Gotcha. When we when we went to Somalia, our special ops were shutting down all of these old ammo dumps. I was part of a mission in Somalia mm-hmm. where we went up and set security like five miles away from this place. And disposed of these weapons. And it went up like a mushroom cloud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We weren't just there on a humanitarian mission. Okay. And, and, and that I didn't come that. And until 1996. Yeah. That wasn't made public, and it wasn't made public by America. It was made public by Osama bin Laden. Sure. Sure. Too many times. They eat what was served. Sure. Too sure. many times people eat what was served. Okay. Now let me. Let, I'm. I, we're we're having a conversation. No, no, no. Yeah. What happened on December the seventh of nineteen ninety three? Ooh, I don't know. You'll have to remind October me. October the third and fourth was Black Hawk Down. Okay. Guess what happened on December the seventh to protect Bill Clinton and Al Gore? What's that? Les Aspen fell on the sword as defense secretary so that when we got home, they kept us in Somalia till December the 19th. Les Aspen resigned on December the 7th, and by the time we got home on the 19th, trying to tell everybody our story of how our command had asked for armored vehicles, how our command had asked for right. upgraded Humvees and, and all this stuff. 18 Americans didn't have to die on October the 3rd and 4th, 1993, if the people who had sent us there would have listened to the commanders in the field. Mm -hmm. And because so many Americans died, and because it became such a national event and a global event, Les Aspen resigned. And when we got home, the mainstream media didn't care what we had to say because Les Aspen has resigned. President Clinton's covered. We don't want to hear your story. Sure. And, we and, tried and tried and tried to tell the story. Sure. And nobody wanted to hear it. Right. Because because Les Aspen resigned, it, the story's over. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Listen, I, I understand the media. Those refusals of armored vehicles came from the White House. Sure. I, I believe that. Now, you understand that we did not have a declaration of war against Somalia. I, I understand. But if you send American troops into a combat zone, yep. if you send them in a place where they could die, they and should your be commanders in the field yep. ask you for equipment. Yep. It's your responsibility to let them do their job. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. You don't want to send a, a soldier into the field without bullets for his gun, right? That's, That's basically correct. what you're saying. But, but here's the problem. Murphy's, this is where rule, we both agree. Murphy's rule of land warfare says always remember your weapon was made by the lowest bidder. Oh, absolutely. So was the airplane and helicopter you're on, too. Absolutely. I always think about that when I get on a commercial airplane flight. But here's the deal. There was no war declared against Somalia, and no president, including Bill Clinton, Democrat, Republican, George Bush, anybody, should be able to put our troops into a foreign sovereign country without the direct authorization of the Congress and the United States Constitution. That's not true. 
I know it's not true. The Constitution says that the president has the right to be the commander in chief and, 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 and national that defense. That is correct. The number one office, the number one responsibility of the president of the United States is, to, is national security. And to protect the public. I agree. National security. Boy, we agree on that too. National security is the number one purview. Yep. And that's why we need a wall. So even now. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody lost their mind in 2016 when we're like, build a wall, build a wall. Build. But well, now, how, the, now what, the Mexican's going to build a wall, though. The they Mexican, are the wall. No, they're going to build they a wall. The they wall. don't want us going Mexican, to Mexico. Mexico is the wall. <laughs> yeah. Mexico is the wall. Yeah. They, they When Trump used his authority uh-huh. to cut off their aid. Right. Unless they helped us from their side, they shut down the southern border uh-huh. of sure. Mexico to keep all the the people, all the all the caravans from coming across. And now they've stepped up patrol on our northern border mm-hmm. because they don't want that. When it's a the the it's not quick pro quo when it's national. It's 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 uh, negotiating with na- countries. Sure, that's the sure. press. No sure. state. No state has authority to create foreign policy. Agree. Agree with that. No, no single state. No you mean single like state. Texas or like Sanctuary California. Cities, California. All it, the, they it, do not have a right to create national or foreign policy. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. And neither does a single man have the right to insert us into a country. You said you served in Panama. I, I went to Panama. Yes. Yeah. What was the legal justification for invading Panama? I, I'm not. I'm, There's not one. Okay. We just did it. We follow orders. Why, what was the legal? What was the legal pretense for us going into Haiti? Same thing, right? Well, you did have some congressional authorization with Haiti as far as a humanitarian mission we went. Did, we were there to put Aristide back in office because he was. Or the American he was puppet. the American puppet, yeah. Just and, like Saddam Hussein was for so many years, and, right? And, he and, was the American puppet. Hey, look, dude. Yeah. You got – I'm not yeah. a fan of America being the world police. Me either. Time to end we can, it. We can, we can have this conversation, and, and, and we can continue to agree on that side of this thing. Absolutely. America is not the world police force. Couldn't agree more. But there are absolute rights – Mm-hmm. And absolute wrongs in this world. Yes, agree. And one of my favorite quotes that I ever, Edwin Burton. Yeah. The only way for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. That's correct. Yeah. Where is the only place on earth that slavery is still legal? Um, not sure. Muslim We're, countries. Muslim. Well, sure. Yeah. Middle Eastern country. So, so where, let me give you a little where, background on me, and I know that you serve in the Middle East. I have a family member that worked directly for the king of Saudi Arabia for 14 years. Right. Lived in Riyadh, traveled with the entourage, and so I have a very different perspective on Middle Eastern politics than most folks do. Okay. Uh, I realize that it's a religious war between the Sunni and the Shiite more than a national war. They between, kill more of each other. Yes. Than we ever killed of them. Yes, yes. And so, well, let's just let's just go to this right now. Recently, President Trump was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize because of the— For the U- second time. For the UAE, uh, it, recognizing Israel for the first time in 70 years. That's Bahrain. What it, Bahrain and the, and the um, United Arab Emirates. But let's be honest, JT. They just wanted to buy our F-18 Hornets. That's and that's the, that was the only deal. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, that's what that's what that's what trade is about. Sure. Is is who? Look, you go back. Well, Trump, Trump told NATO that they're not paying their bill. Yeah, let's talk about that. Too. Trump went off on Germany mm-hmm. for we're paying for your defense. Mm-hmm. NATO was set up to protect Germany from Russia mm-hmm. after the end of the war, right? And But that was in our interest. That was in our interest to do that, right? Absolutely. Well, we can all agree that that was in our interest. Absolutely. Trump told... Uh, Merkel. Merkel. Mm-hmm. Why are you sending your money to Russia to buy liquid gas? Mm-hmm. And, and we're paying for your defense, but you're giving them all your money. Now, see... And, ten, and, and now the America is a net exporter of natural energy for the yes. first time ever. But not to Europe. 
So, not the nat- not liquefied natural gas, and it's amazing that you know this. So I'm really, it's really remarkable that you I know pay this. Attention. It's about natural gas. The Russians have been supplying Europe with natural gas for years, and they're sending and their now, money to them, and, and that, we're paying for their defense. And now we want Americans to come in there and buy our natural gas. No, I and totally see, get and, it. And, 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 and Trump pulling soldiers from Germany and sending them to Poland because uh-huh. Poland is going to pay. Their part right. of having us there. Right. They've already, I think it was what three or four billion dollars mm-hmm. that they they've pledged sure. to sure. build the bases sure. for us to bring our troops there instead of us paying Germany to let us have them there. Yeah, right, right, sure. It, it, so, so, have, so let me ask you this: What is the Trump commitment to NATO? Should we continue to we, have troops in do Western our, Europe? Our part of the G, our GDP. Uh huh. From what I understand, and I am, again, not in Congress, and I'm not a senator. Sure, sure. But each country that's a part of NATO is supposed to have pledged Percentage X amount of, of dollars that's of their correct. GDP. That's correct. And we are paid more than ours yes. on many occasions yes. to cover the costs that don't go. But that's when I correct. was in Somalia, when I was in Somalia making E4 pay, right? I didn't get the UN supplement. Mm-hmm. That the Tunisian soldier got. The Tunisian soldier not only got a check from their government, mm-hmm. but they got a check from the UN. Gotcha. We didn't get that because we were there, but we were already paying the UN's support. We were we were underwriting yes. the payment to the UN. The Tunisian soldiers got an extra pay check. Uh-huh. The, our, uh huh. The the Pakistani soldiers got an extra paycheck. Sure. When we were under fire in Mogadishu. In 1993, the Pakist- the uh, t- the Pakistanis weren't going to send us any more APCs after four of- after three of them got blown up mm-hmm. because it was easier for them to replace men than to pl- replace the machines. Because mm-hmm. they probably bought them from us. No, they were Soviet blocks. Oh, they machines. were Soviet. Okay, yeah. I had never seen one of them in my life, yeah, but I'm riding yeah. one when an RPG hits it and blows Oof, it all to pieces, man. and the driver comes blowing back in our cab. But that's the only armor we had that's because it. our president refused to send it to us. Maybe he maybe he wasn't authorized to send it to you. How maybe, about that? Maybe maybe my president ignored the request from the generals in the field to ask for APCs and armored personnel vehicles so that we didn't lose eighteen people in one night. Sure, sure. Now that I you think that's you can argue. I I got kicked out of yeah. Mississippi State U, U, College. Yeah, I know where Mississippi is. Yep. I was taking a civics class over there. Yep. And the professor. The professor was going off about foreign policy. Yeah, right. And she started on about how great Bill Clinton was uh-huh. during that time frame. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I, I said, no. She said, well, how do you know? That's what this says right here in this book. I said, because I was on the freaking ground. Mm-hmm. Sure. I said, you're not going to tell me what happened there by reading it in a book. Right. When I was the one over there knowing that my commanders asked for help that wasn't given by the White House mm-hmm. when they sent us to do an impossible task. Right. So for me, it's very similar to Benghazi, which I know was a rallying cry in 2016. It's still a rallying cry. Yes, we it's still a rallying cry, and but no one bothers to ask what we were doing in a sovereign country supplying weapons, okay, to a sovereign country without a declaration of war. Who, who's, who, who was I know supplying? exactly who the president was. This is the problem with the Republicans' entire argument on this is we left four dead Americans to die. Uh, yes, that's terrible. But the real question is, why were we there in the first place? Well, I okay. Can tell you why. Now, if you want to go down that road, we then can you chase have to that probably, rabbit well, hole all day long. I don't want to chase that rabbit hole. I want to get to. I want to get to some more of the modern stuff that we're going to. We talked about the division that's going on. Let's talk about this this uh, stuff from the Atlantic author that said that there are multiple accounts of Trump being disparaging to the veterans. You think it's laughable? Who owns the Atlantic? Yeah. Well, listen. Who I'm, owns the Atlantic? I'm Who sure, owns the Atlantic? I'm sure a bunch of San Francisco no, liberals, no. right? Who owns the Atlantic? A, I'm sure a bunch of uh, globalists. Steve Jobs' say. ex-wife. Steve Jobs' ex-wife, okay. And and the Atlantic is full yes, of it is. all liberal 
crap. It does have mostly slanted liberal. All I'll give you that. slanted liberal crap. So let but me you, ask you why, this, JK. Why did that, the whole basis for this Atlantic story yep. was them canceling a trip to the graves in to France, the graves which in I've France. been to. I've seen Patton's grave in France. Why did they cancel? Why did they cancel the trip to the graveyard? Yeah, right. Why? Well, uh, you know, some say it's because we didn't want to mess up the hair and makeup of the president. Why? You tell me why. Why? I, it's easy. That's the easiest story to debunk that's came out in ye- in, okay. in a year. Now I want to ask you a question. You go back. It happened November the the November the eighth. Uh huh. November. I'm sorry. November the sixth, two thousand eighteen. Right. Have you done a Google search on November the sixth, two thousand eighteen? I haven't. You can tell me what it is, but I'm, I can tell you exactly what it is. Okay. Why was the trip canceled? I have no idea. Because there was a assassination plot for Mark or, or Mike Aroon, not Trump. Oh, okay. They arrested six six of his personal security detail. That was going to that try was going to kill him, kill him mm-hmm. not Trump. Okay. And when there is an assassination attempt on a foreign leader in his country. Under a state diplomatic, they cancel the events. Okay. Because if they can't, if the Secret Service, that's not their country. Okay. If they're worried about somebody trying to kill Marcone, their own people in their country, it makes sense. If they're trying, if they're worried about somebody trying to kill Mark Marcone or right. whatever, Macaroon or right. Macadamia Nut or whatever his name is. Now, JT, I don't like him. Now, I've listen. never liked him. But Why? if you because do a, a simple a simple Google search, yeah. because he's a globalist. Because he's a globalist. Because so he's I a want globalist. you to define globalist for me. I I I want to finish this. Okay. I want to finish this. Okay. It's the easiest story that's ever been published okay. as satire to debunk. Okay. Is if you do a Google search for November the 6th, right. 2018, when right. Trump was in France, right. there's a story from France okay. about how they arrested six of his service, his protective service detail for an assassination plot against the French president. Right. And the CIA's not going to do a joint conference with him a day later mm-hmm. on November the 7th. Mm-hmm. At a gravesite where they can't control it, right? And 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 they wait two years to try to spin this crap. I'm not buying it, not and nobody it. on my side is buying it. Well, they're not going to buy it anyway. They're just not gonna buy just it like anyway. he said, he could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone, and you'd still vote for him, I, I'm right? Gonna, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, but no but, matter what's in the newspaper, right? No matter what's said, because so much of it has been shown to be fake news from the get go. Okay, so Russia, do you believe, Russia, do you, do you, Russia. So you don't. Okay, let's get to that. <laughs> let's start with that. So being a being a military guy, you understand how important intelligence and counterintelligence is. Absolutely. So if twenty seven intelligence agencies confirm that something is true. How can you deny that? If 27 intelligence agency and two years of a of a special prosecutor investigation right. can't prove it, right. then it's bull crap. Okay. When we're about to arrest, and I want to tell you this. Yeah. The Durham investigation, Durham. Oh, the yeah. Durham investigation uh-huh. hadn't even started. But you do know, before the 60-day mandate, there's a 60-day mandate that no... DOJ stuff will happen that can affect the the election Mm -hmm. within 60 days of the election. Mm -hmm. Prior to the 60-day mark, we had the first story of the the FBI lawyer Mm -hmm. that pled guilty to falsifying the documents that got the FISA warrant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's the songbird. Sure. He's the guy that's telling them the final things that they need to know to put all these pieces of the puzzle together. Right. They won't they won't indict anybody till after the election because they're not going to unlike Comey, who tried to come out and protect Hillary and say that we're It actually destroyed Hillary, but well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every democratic plot blows up in their face. Does it? Yeah. Does it? It uh, well, in my opinion. Yeah. They're the most <laughs> Illogical thinkers, really. In my opinion, now, now, now see, JT, this is where three this sp- is where we say, look, 
the press isn't influencing me on my opinion of Donald J. Trump. I, I John, don't want Donald, to have a beer with him. Donald J. I Trump. I don't want him to come to a barbecue at my I house. I can hear his own words with my own ears. You're right. I don't need the interpretation of but the see, press. But see, here's the difference between Republican and Democrat okay. right now. And in yeah. 80, 75 to 80% of the conversations I have with fellow Democrats, I'm in the music business. Sure, I'm sure. So you're around Tennessee. a lot of liberals. Yeah. I've had conversations. Sure. Here's the problem. You personally don't like him. And I get that. Trump? I get that. Yeah, Trump. There's a lot of people who personally don't like Donald Trump or what he projects sometimes. Mm-hmm. I get that. Okay. I would I would love to meet Donald Trump. I would have I would invite him to my house for a barbecue. I'm not afraid of him being around my kids. I'm not afraid of any of that. Sure. But what I'm trying to say is, for the folks that are voting against him just because they don't like him, mm-hmm. that can't get past the policies that he's done that other presidents have promised for years and years and years and years to do, that they make all these promises and they never come through with it. Uh-huh. Here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. Tell me one thing that you like about Democrats that isn't I hate Trump. And I'll sit here and have a conversation with you. Okay. Sure. But if all of if all you've got is orange man is bad, mm-hmm. I don't want to have a conversation with you. Sure. Because at the end of the day, it isn't about whether or not I want to have regular dinks, drinks and dinner with this guy. Right. It's it's whether his policies have made a difference in the America that I love. Okay. So let me swap it off for you, and okay. I can I can tell you a thousand things about tr- where you know Trump's policies or lack of policies. He sold rice that, to China. The only thing that ha- <laughs> in a trade deal. <laughs> he sold rice to China. Oh, okay. I'm listening. Listen, JT. The the NAFTA deal uh-huh. was less than what anything that he promoted. All they did was increase the percentage of lightweight trucks that are made in America by thirteen percent. That is not true. That is it. No, it's the not. deal with China the, is the worth Canadian, less. The Canadians on milk alone. Jack Daniels the, right the here Canadian. in Tennessee is off $150 million of losses because of Donald Trump's trade they policy. They are not. Yes, it is. No, we that can, is fictitious. So MTSU puts out fictitious information. That's correct. Jack Daniels puts Every- out fictitious information. So here's the problem. The people that believe in science, the people that believe in fact, the people that believe that this country is not the only country in the world, we're the globalist. Is that correct? No. Okay. You're the What I'm trying to tell you is that everybody that's putting out statistics from universities are full of are you liberals. Know what? They're all liberals. All right. Let me All right. So I'm going to counter that. And we're going we're going to go there. You're familiar with the Howard Baker School of Public Policy at I the am. University of Tennessee. Howard Baker, one of the finest Republican senators this state has ever had. Mm-hmm. A statesman. Mm-hmm. One of the best. Awesome. They come out and they say that if, but if we don't, don't run it anymore. Okay, so you mean to tell me that that Bill Haslam and Randy Boyd mm-hmm. and the University of Tennessee is a bastion of liberalism? That's correct. Man, we are in the we are in a to- totally different planets. We, we are not. Yeah, yeah, we are. Bill Haslam and Randy Randy Boyd. Uh-huh. Randy Boyd. So, I work so for Rand- Bill Lee. I work for Bill Lee. Right. As a veteran. To elect Bill Lee for sure, governor. Sure. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna preface that by saying okay. I'm disappointed in Bill Lee. Okay. Why am I disappointed in Bill Lee? And I've said it to him, and I've said it to his people, and I've said it to everybody. I was on the veteran committee to elect Bill Lee for governor. Okay. I did events for Bill Lee. Yep. As a veteran. Yep. I talked about the thing, and when I met with Bill for the first time, I said, Bill, I said my number one issue is the state of Tennessee has three VA hospitals mm-hmm. that are consistently at the bottom. Every year, the VA does an internal audit, mm-hmm. and Tennessee is in the top 10 worst VAs in America every year. Mm-hmm. Why is that for the for the volunteer state? Why has the volunteer state got three of the worst VAs in America consistently? And he said, JT, if I get elected governor... I'm not still not going to run the VA. And I said, but you can keep the conversation going. 
That's true. And he said, JT, if I get elected governor, why don't I let you help keep that conversation going? Hmm. So, so hang on. Hmm. Bill Lee is the most, he has an integrity. I'm a plumber. I own a plumbing company with 21 employees. Mm-hmm. I've been a co-work. I've, I've bid against Bill Lee for years. Gotcha. When you're in a service industry like plumbing, right? you hear horror stories about your competitors that would give you a chance to use that to promote your business. Sure. I've As many times as I've bid against them and as many times as I've been in the workplace with Lee Company, I've not got one comment about Lee Company except for people saying, well, they're too high. I don't care if they're too high. If you don't want to use them, don't use them. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to get told one thing and get something else. Mm-hmm. Sure. His integrity, he's a great man. He's a man of faith. I don't doubt that at all. Here's he and what, I are friends. And, and, yeah. and Bill, I, I love Billy. Yeah. But I've been disappointed in his a lot of reaction. Have. Mm-hmm to some of the things that have went on because mm-hmm. you can lead with more backbone than trying to not keep everybody happy. You're exactly right. At some point, you have to lead, and, and so half and, the people and, are going to be mad, and half the people are going to love you, you but you can't, you can't walk the middle all the time. You can't thread the needle all the time, especially and, and, and when you're the and governor. it's aggravated me to death. So, we, we've, so only got a little, yeah, we've only got a little bit of time left, JT, and I want to get to this. You were talking about having you know, issues here. Okay, so this state has been dominated by Republicans for the last decade Mm -hmm. regardless of the myth we haven't been republican here until 10 years ago okay it was democrats for a hundred years there's a balance yes it was sunquist wasn't a democrat the state legislature was it's been (laughs) dominated by democrats for a hundred years the democrats passed a balanced budget amendment in tennessee you hear all these folks running here locally oh we balanced the budget well they have to because the law it was democrats that made a balanced budget amendment in tennessee people often forget that But here's what I want to talk about, something really local. So for 10 years, the Republicans have had control. That means Haslam and his group and now Lee and his group. And so there's a commission, the Tennessee Hospital uh, Commission, recently voted here in Rutherford County. And when I talk to Republicans about health care, they say free market, free market, free market. And then they wouldn't let And now they won't let Vanderbilt build a $135 million hospital here. So... How am I supposed to believe so let me anything t- that comes out of these no, people's no, 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 minds? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. You you want to use that as a one one? It's a def- pretty big one. Okay. Well, hang on. Mm-hmm. A. Yeah. I don't agree with them not letting them build a hospital. I knew we'd agree on that. Two. If we want to do a one-topic deal, mm-hmm. I'm never going to vote for anybody who's for abortion. Not as well. we'll no, 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 no. We don't have time to get to yeah, that. But yeah. what I'm trying to say, I'm not a one-issue voter. Uh-huh. Right. There's lots of issues that right. matter to me. And right. when I told Bill Lee that the VA was one of my number one priorities, right. and being a vo- voice for veterans, right, that was what I meant. Sure. My number one priority is God. My number two priority is my family. Mm-hmm. My number three passion mm-hmm. isn't my business. Yeah. It's what I have a voice to say for veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the business, which is for, is called the service guys. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, let those who be great among you first serve. Mm-hmm. Our unwritten motto at our company is if we serve God, we serve our customer, we serve each other, we can't help but be great. Of course. So that's just that's just the way sure. that I live my life. Sure. So what I'm trying to say is, one issue people mm-hmm. have no conversation. Well, well, you you were you were but first the, saying, but that, as far as, that the as only building a hospital why, here, yeah, that's the dumbest thing that Isn't our though? people have not let shouldn't happen. I re- shouldn't our Republican? But that doesn't make me a Democrat because I believe it with does. you. Not saying it does, but. But but the shouldn't number, we be asking our Republican representatives that represent us here who say they believe in the free market, that they don't want these controlled true, economies, true. shouldn't they be jumping up and down? Well, let me tell you what's going on right now. Okay. Tell me what's happening. And I have I have conversations with lots of people, and I'm not going to call names right now. Yeah. But I can pick up the phone, and I can call 20 people that's in the state of Tennessee legislature. Okay. Me too. You, you, Democrats and Republicans. Democrat. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite people on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Is DeBerry. 
I yeah. love that guy. A lot of people Because do. that guy right there that got kicked out of the Democratic caucus. Now, now let me say this. Do you think that all Democrats agreed with that? No. No, they didn't. But Even what the I'm leadership. trying to tell you right now is yeah. there's a lot of people down there that have uh-huh. ran mm-hmm. and that call themselves Republican. And they're not really, they're really Republicans. Not Republican. Okay. Or do you mean they're really not Trump Republicans? They're not Republican. Okay. And and and, and, and this predates Right. And we we, we we're, we're running out, out of time, time. Yeah. But predating Trump. Yeah. Republicans started calling out rhinos before Trump ever got elected. They sure did. So what Re- are you gonna do? From a political standpoint, because if you run all the rhinos off, you're looking at 30%. It's just like here in Rutherford County. You know how much I lost Rutherford County by four years ago? Democrat, me versus Stacia Lay. Guess how many votes in Rutherford County? How many? About 6,000 votes. I would have won Rutherford County out of 120,000 voters. I don't... I, so this county's not red. It's purple. And, and, and no doubt. And, and purple's not always a bad thing. Purple's a good thing. It's why I got it's, involved. Purple's not always a bad thing. But here's the thing: at this point in time, in mm-hmm. our culture, yeah. and in our in 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 the, in the national conversation, right? Open borders, wrong. Who agrees with open borders? What Democrat other than Chuck AOC Schumer, in the game? They doesn't believe Pelosi, in open borders. Uh, absolutely. No, they yeah, absolutely. They voted Libertarians, for it. No, they didn't. Oh, you're out of your tree, dude. Oh, yeah, I that, love it. I ain't yeah, going yeah, right. to reach across this yeah, desk right, and punch right, you, right. but you're out of your mind. I don't believe that. No. I don't believe you're that. You're out of your mind. Yeah. But, but, but a strong America yeah. is good for the world. Right. I believe that with all my heart. I do, too. And I believe that two strong, strong parties, but absolute power corrupts I'm absolutely. To, Look at what's what, happened in Nashville. And, and, and there's and, and 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 the. I'll give you a better example of that. Yep. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yep. Unions. Okay. Unions, We're not a union state here. Our national not, our wages but are unions, some of the lowest in the country. Unions have become worse than what they started out to fight. So, so, so I agree that there are problems with organized labor, especially the politicized. But I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen unions. Listen, I, I was I was uh, endorsed one time by a union, and then wasn't even invited the second time. You know why I got endorsed the first time? Because I was against the TPP. Who else was against the TPP? Donald Trump. That's exactly right. And all of these unions agreed with Donald Trump, and half of the union members voted for well, Donald I'm a, I'm a, Trump. I'm about to blow your mind. Okay. I know that I was an invitee to your show. Absolutely. And, and you're welcome. What I, I want to have to, more of these. What, what, what I want to do is come back after the election. Okay. And I want to look here, and you look me in the eye, and tell me how many votes Donald Trump got this time. Okay. And, 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 and here's what's going to blow your mind. Yeah. And, and, and I'm watching, as a military guy, Yeah. i got friends all over the country. Right. As a military guy, I've got friends that have been on both sides of the aisle. Sure. I've got a buddy that happened today. This happened today. Corey Davis is a black man mm-hmm. from Ferguson, Missouri, uh-huh. which is a suburb uh, of yeah, St. I know Louis. That's where the riots were in Ferguson. Yep. Mm-hmm. When I posted the news story today, that was an update from the Rutherford County on the guy from St. On the, Louis. On mm-hmm. the guy on the on the 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 interstate shooting, mm-hmm. the active shooter. Yep. In Rutherford County. Right. There was four black guys in a Dodge Challenger. They started he fighting started each shooting, other. They yeah. started fighting each other. Right. And ended up sideswiping somebody and crashing. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody stopped, the guy that started the shooting shot the person who stopped to try to help in Tennessee. Right. And took their car yes. and went on a road chase. Crazy. I posted that. And mm. initially, Corey, who was with me in Mogadishu, Corey has no doubt that we all bleed red. Right. He took offense in the beginning because it was called out as a black man that they were chasing. Well, that was four black. He's like, well, I don't know if this is a true story. It's kind of stereotypical. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Corey, mm-hmm. black on black crime costs more lives than any police officer is ever going to take in a black community. This is true. And, and a lot at of the end of the black. day, mm-hmm. but Corey, when Ferguson was going on, 
I back Corey when he was calling out the people in his community. It's like, what are y'all doing? What, yeah. We beg chain stores and we beg retailers and merchandisers to come into our community and help us build our community. Dollar store, this the store, and now that you're burning store. it all and down. Now you're burning it all down. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever going to come back to our community. Right. And I was backing him up and catching crap. Yeah. Because I had his back. Yeah. And today. He thought it was a racist story that maybe I was sharing, and he said, man, check your facts, blah, blah, blah. I was like, look, dude, this is an update for the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department. It's right. not a fake story. Right. So the first thing that most people go to anymore mm-hmm. is, man, that's fake. I, I know, and, and that's and, why and, we have and, a problem. Well, because, the Atlantic, you're soaking up everything from the Atlantic, but, 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 well, but well, you didn't even do your research no, no, no. as to I, when no, it happened. I didn't soak up anything from the Atlantic. I was trying to ask you a question about the Atlantic. And I was trying to tell you. But I, did, but, but I but, never got but to I my question. But I know que- more re- research ne- on that story. But I never got to you my question, You were going to ask JT. me if I, while I'm supporting a no, guy who hates veterans. No, I wasn't going to ask you He doesn't hate that. veterans. What I was going to ask you is... No reporter comes out with a story like this unless they have something to back it up. Oh crap! And so what I was—they all ask came you out with the story of Christopher Steele, and that story's been debunked over and over and over again. But people are still holding on to but, it. But do you think that there are tapes? No. You don't think there's any audio tapes of Trump disparaging veterans? The only people that was in that room, the well, only there were multiple even, cases. Even Bolton. Who had even right. John said Bolton? He didn't hear it. He right. said he didn't hear it. Right. He's one of the most. But everybody that Trump's fired has come out with sour grapes. Yeah. <laughs> everybody that Trump has fired. Mad dog. Mad dog. Bolton. Kelly. Kelly. Right. They're all just bad who's, people. Who's the come most? On, JT. Who's the most? Who is in the history books? Yeah. In the history books. Right. Who do you think is going to be named as the person who saved America? Uh, right now, it's Jim Clyburn. <laughs> That's right. Because without Jim Clyburn, we'd all be saying, hello, President Bernie Sanders, this fall. And so Jim Clyburn's who saved America, and the minority voters, the black Democratic voters, saved that America are in the primary. Well, here, let me, tell you, what, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. Trump 60% has... of Hispanics are going to vote for Trump. Really? 50% of the African Americans are going to vote for Trump. He got 7%. 60%. He's going to get half the black vote. 60% of Latinos. Yeah. 50% of the African Americans. Okay. I I, I absolutely want to come back in here. We got it recorded. After November the 4th. And I'm going to look at it. And I will absolutely look right here. But let's make it really worth something, JT. I'm going to buy you, if Donald Trump wins re election, I'm going to bring you a steak dinner. And I'm gonna let you eat it right here, right here, in front, right of here in front of me. Well, here's here's what I'm gonna tell you. Okay. If Donald Trump loses, okay, I'll bring you a steak dinner, okay, and a bottle of Jack Daniels. Not a drinker, we'll but sh- we'll okay. sit here and, and share it together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds I, good. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, this ain't a football game. Right. This is our country. You're exactly right. And I'm not looking at it like an us against them. It really can't be. But here's what I'm saying: when you lose, you sit in the stands and watch the game. Yeah. Well, hey, what I did when it, was I was when I lost in 2016. I said I'm going to do everything I can to make this president's agenda on infrastructure happen. That's my business. I've been building roads and bridges, uh, road and bridges, built rock quarries my whole life, concrete, all of that. I said I'm going to do. I agree with President Trump on his infrastructure bill. Absolutely. And I'm going to. You know what? And he agrees with us too. But you know who doesn't agree with us? Mitch McConnell. Is Mitch McConnell a rhino? Yes. Wow. Holy I want smokes. him gone so bad I can't stand it. See, we can agree on some things, you know, you know some, and, and here, you know, yeah. For the most part, yeah. Everybody says the cream rises to the top. It does. As a plumber, mm-hmm. I know that the crap does. <laughs> yeah, this is true. JT Cooper. <laughs> Host of On Mission Radio Program. You can catch it here on WGNS Radio, 5 o'clock every Sunday. Uh, please give JT a listen. He does some wonderful, even though he's really out in left field on oh, his politics. You're, on, you're the one in left 
field. I'm in right field, buddy. Don't ever doubt that that's I'm going right. to be in right You're field in right at field. first base. Yeah, that's right. But but even though that he's a good American, he's trying to help veterans here in Rutherford County and all over Middle Tennessee. And JT, I look forward to having you back after this election. Thank you so much. Well, you got to promise that that. I promise you. I, I'm not afraid. I, I listen. I got. You know, I, look, I ran as a Democrat in 2016, okay? So I'm not really afraid in, in Tennessee. So, But thank you, JT, for joining the, the, the podcast, the Man in the Middle podcast. We look forward to having you back, and good luck on all of your missions going forward. Thank Thanks, you, sir. JT Cooper, everybody. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the Man in the Middle, and we'll see you next week. I ain't ashamed of what I listen to on the radio. It's kind of old school. I might have feed him better 20 years ago. 